At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Do you want to be the top-rated business in your area? Use NiceJob to gather two to three times more reviews and outshine your competitors. NiceJob's simple automated tools will save you time and money while giving you social proof to grow your business. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. If you're looking to grow your small business, visit NiceJob at NiceJob.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group, guys, and I keep telling you, we got some tools coming. And what we've done, what I've suggested we do, is the branch managers are the ones that know their customers and know what's popular in the branches. So we're going to reach out to all the branch managers across Canada and say, hey, what tools are hot? What tools do you think are going to be popular? What tools do you think technicians are going to want to see? And we're going to create a list and we're going to come at you and do some demos. Okay, um, But as I said, from east to west coast, Master Group is blown up across Canada. Um, if you're looking for HVAC supplies and you already know they exist, you've probably gone to them, you probably use them quite a bit. Anyway, guys, check out master.ca. What's up, HVAC peeps? Welcome back to the podcast. So this podcast, I'm going solo. I'm driving, I'm hands-free, I'm on my way home from work. I got some thoughts and I'll probably finish this up on my way back to work tomorrow. But I got some thoughts on pulleys, bearings, shafts, blower wheels. Because I've changed my fair share in my day. All right, and some of them can be difficult, some of them can be hard. But regardless, it is legit good filler work when times are slow. Like, for instance, a pulley that's worn is not an emergency unless it's killing a belt, like instantly. But a slightly worn pulley is not an emergency. So note it, quote it, get verbal approval, whatever, from a customer. And when you get the approval, it's sitting there ready to go. So if you have a slow week, a slow afternoon, drive over to the building, whatever, home, if if the house has pulleys, a lot of um, residential stuff doesn't have pulleys, I understand that. But it's good filler work to fill in your day, and it's legitimate because it can prevent a problem from happening in the future. One example for preventative stuff here is I've gone to to bearings and given the shaft sort of a tug back and forth, and you can feel play in, in the blower bearing slightly, and I'm like, ah, it's not that bad, I'll note it next time and we'll, we'll, we'll rectify it then, then. Then you get a call like three months later and the bearing has exploded. So it's good to get on top of these things and note them and have them there written down, have the office aware of it, get the work order open, the job open, whatever. And it's there for you to fill in that work when necessary. So we're gonna have this discussion, guys. I'm gonna give you some tips and tricks about how I've gotten these things off other ways, other techs that I know have gotten gotten these things off. And 
give you some tips and tricks on, on how to reassemble. And I'll tell you how I was burned on not doing something when I was reassembling a whole drive, like shaft, blower bearings, pulleys, everything. Okay. I'm going to tell you how I was burned on that and how I, I, I'll never make that mistake again. Anyway, guys, this is the HVAC Not All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. So let me tell you about the longest or most time-consuming job I've ever done that pertain to a blower wheel change, okay? So I'm on site doing maintenance or a service call. I don't remember, this is going back quite a while. This was a, a temp right unit suspended in the ceiling or suspended at the deck, the roof deck of a warehouse, probably 25 feet in the air, fired at two to three million BTUs. This was on a dock of a, a warehouse. And what had what had happened is that one of the people that worked in the facility said, listen, this thing's not moving as much air as it normally does, and we don't know why. Usually, like, there's things blowing off the table when this thing starts up. And he showed me, he's like, there's barely any airflow. And what I noticed was, it wasn't barely any airflow. There was airflow there, but it was reduced. And what I noticed was, this had three blower wheels, three housings, three blower wheels, one shaft going through the whole thing, one motor that drove it. Now, the center wheel had basically blown up, all right? The, the blades were everywhere in the housing. So it lost a third of its capacity to move air because of that blower wheel. But here's the thing. This thing is old, okay? To change that wheel, it's not like you can just slide the old shaft out of three wheels and three bearings. No, you can't do that because if everything is seized. The shaft was long, probably 10 feet long in length because the blower section was about 10 feet long in length with three blower wheels, three housings. So in order to get this done, what we had to do was get oxyacetylene torches and use a cutting torch to cut right through. Cut right through the shaft at each blower section. Remove the blower housing down to the ground. Okay, Swap out blower wheels all of them because now we have this big shaft in there and trust me the amount of time aggravation it's going to take to remove that small piece of shaft out of there you just pop in a new wheel it's it, trust me that's the play there unless you want to spend all the time trying to save your customer money but in the long run you might not save them anything because of the labor involved trying to get it out so what we did was we cut them all out brought all the blower housings down to the ground swapped out the wheels put all the blower housings back and then we slid the new shaft through with new bearings. Now, here's a tip for you. Before you do a job like this, it's pretty like a pretty big job, right? These these blower wheels were were fairly large too, not cheap. And because they moved a lot of air, they were built a little bit with, with a bit more quality than the I think they were steel, made out of steel, not aluminum. 
Uh, so they were not cheap blower wheels because of that, because they moved a lot of air. Now, the tip I'm going to give you here is before you do a job like this, you're going to want to measure and measure correctly that shaft size because it, everything's going to be dependent on the shaft, the blower wheel bores, the bearing bores, everything. So measure that shaft size correctly. And my tip for you would be to use a digital caliper. Once you use that, take a picture of the screenshot, like a screenshot or a picture of the, <clears throat> of the reading on the caliper, the digital display, you're good. And then you order everything accordingly. But once you get to that supplier to pick up the parts, make sure it's all right. Make sure the, the shaft is the right diameter. Make sure all the bearings are. Make sure all the blower wheels are. Because the last thing you want to do is get all the blower wheels installed. You start to slide that shaft through and it doesn't go through because you didn't check that blower wheel to make sure it was the right diameter. Because at the parts house, guys, they make mistakes. Sometimes you make mistakes when you order. But if you had that reference photo of the digital caliper and you measure before you leave the supply house, that's going to give you that sort of feeling that everything's going to go well. Because if you don't do it and shit hits the fan while you're on site, it's not going to be a good look for you and your company that you have to stop the job, reorder parts and come back. So this was time consuming. Two to three days, I believe, a couple of texts to rip this all out and put it all back together. And the shaft was heavy and it was long. So running that shaft through those bearings and through those blower wheels was not an easy task because you can't go on any kind of angle. It's got to be dead on straight, right? Centered to get it through. And once it was through and everything was, was lined up, the wheels were lined up within the housings properly. Um, what we did was use some medium strength Loctite medium strength Loctite on each of the set screws for the bearings, okay, and for the blower wheels. And the reason for that is because we don't want any vibration of those set screws coming out and, and shit hitting the fan and everything coming apart. We don't want that happening. And the medium strength Loctite, you apply heat if you're trying to take it apart. You apply some heat to that Loctite, you can undo the set screw. So it's just important to keep that in mind. So that was probably the most time-consuming job that I've ever done. It wasn't a hard job because we had all our ducks in a row. Everything was organized and we had a plan. We had the parts and we just went at it. It was just time-consuming because it was in the air. We had to use a cutting torch. But here, I'm going to tell you this next segment here why the Loctite comes in handy and where I didn't use it and we had some problems. Okay, so this one time... I do a maintenance on a Liebert unit and I find that the bearings are a little noisy, like grinding. And anytime you hear like a grinding kind of sound coming from a bearing, it's not a good thing. Sometimes you can pump some grease into it and it alleviates it a little bit, but you have to be cautious about what you pump grease into because some of those pillow block bearings, what a lot of guys don't realize, a lot of techs don't realize is that the bearing insert inside that pillow block, some of them are permanently sealed bearings. They have no way to accept grease. So if you pump grease into it, basically all you're doing is putting grease in between the pillow block and the outside of the bearing, which is not doing anything because the bearing doesn't move there. It moves um, in the ball bearing piece that, that rotates. And a bearing that is meant to be greased actually has a groove in it 
um, with an opening that accepts the grease in, into that groove and into that opening to grease the ball bearings inside. Now, if the bearing insert doesn't have that, there's no point in greasing it. Zero, zero point in greasing it. I just wanted to, to throw that throw that in there. But I went to this call, bearings are grinding a little bit. Okay, so we got new bearings, replaced them, okay, set them all up, aligned everything, ran it, tested it, everything was good. A couple of months later, what had happened is that there was a bit of a noise coming from the machine, and when when I responded, it's the the blower wheel was sort of rubbing against the housing because the shaft had moved. And why the shaft had moved is because the amount of vibration, the amount of air this thing moves, caused those set screws to back out. And the shaft was now free to move back and forth a little bit on either side. Now, the way I fixed that was to use some medium strength Loctite. Now, I wasn't going to put these things back together again. I don't know if you if you uh, know the the famous quote from Albert Einstein, but it's something like repeating the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So we weren't going to do the same thing and expect a different result. So everything was set back up and the set, the bearings were still fine. It just had the shaft had moved. So everything was set back up again properly. And we used some medium Loctite on these bearings. And once that was done, it was good. Never a problem again. So everything's got its application, guys. And because Lieberts move a ton of air, more movement, more vibration, and these things backed out, which is not good. So that medium strength Loctite was used in this situation. But keep that in mind about what I was saying about greasing bearings that can't accept grease. Now, when I got those bearings from Liebert, it actually, there's a, an opening on the, on the housing like the pillow block, the, the, the cast iron pillow block, there's an opening there to put a Zerk fitting in. But that opening had a cap in it, the bearings straight from Liebert. And that cap was there to say, hey, um, yeah, you don't need to grease these because they're permanently sealed bearings that can't accept grease even if you put a Zerk fitting on them and started pumping grease in. So just keep that in mind going forward, guys. All right, guys, let's take a quick break here and talk about some tools I use this week. The first one is the Subco Trade Fox Tugboat Compressor Tote. Now, what that is, is basically like uh, a shaft. On the bottom of the shaft, there's this half circle that cups the body of a compressor. Halfway up the shaft or so, there's a rod that sticks up on like this 50, 55 degree angle that gets inside of, you know the tabs that are welded to the tops of compressors it's got the hole in it well that little rod on that angle fits inside there perfectly so it's got a handle or two handles whichever you choose to set it up i set it up for two handle operation that means that you can pick it up by yourself with two hands or you can have two techs one on each handle so that's what we did yesterday we walked across the roof 200 feet after we got the compressor to the roof and we put the, the tugboat onto the compressor, I grabbed the handle, my coworker grabbed the handle, and we, we walked across the roof with it. Less strenuous, less hard on the back, very good tool, technician invented. So check it out online. There's some videos that I've seen online and stuff. And I posted a little TikTok 
walking across the roof <laughs> to walk this way by Run DMC and uh, Aerosmith. So check that out. The other tool I wanted to talk about quickly was we also used this on the compressor job was the Navac NRDD recovery machine. Super fast, all right, digital display. You don't need to worry about walking away from the machine while it's recovering because it's got a low pressure switch. It will cut off once it gets to a certain point. Basically, when there's nothing left in the system and you're in a negative in the system in a vacuum, it will shut that recovery machine off, which is very, very cool. All right, um, it's got that one dial operation that allows you to recover, throttle liquid, turn the valve off, or pump out the recovery machine itself. That is a great feature because if you're not pumping out the machine, you're leaving refrigerant in there. And once you turn that dial, you'd be surprised. You get like another almost half pound of refrigerant out of there after you turn that dial in and get the refrigerant out of the machine. So use that. Um, also use my, my Testo 557S. I haven't broke them out much this year because I haven't done a lot of compressor uh, jobs or, or hardcore diagnosing where it came to recovery and charging and stuff like that. I've had like three or four jobs like that all year. So I've been mostly relying on the probes this year, but I broke out the 557S, which is the next level up in the digital manifold world. And if you're interested, those are top of the line um, tools. Like, trust me, if, if you're gonna go splurge, those are the ones you're gonna wanna splurge on, in my opinion. Um, so. So next here, refrigeration technologies, silicone grease, which I use today, by the way. It's great for things like uh, those plug-in condenser fans, like they're not hardwired, it's got like a plug or a boot, and you use the silicone grease to go around where any moisture might penetrate. So today I had a couple of compressors that were running, high humidity outside. I pulled the, the plug off where the motor protector attaches to the thermistors of the compressor. And I pulled the terminal block off where main power gets connected to the compressor. And what I found was moisture, moisture buildup because of the condensation. So what I did was I applied silicone grease to those areas that creates a barrier between that cold surface and the air so the moisture cannot build there and it will not cause problems. I've used it in a lot of different instances where moisture could affect an electrical uh, device. So it's a dielectric grease. It doesn't harden up like silicone, doesn't cure or anything like that. So it just stays pliable, it stays soft, so you can wipe it away whenever. So check it out, Refrigeration Technologies makes it. Silicone grease, it's also food grade as well. So check those tools out, guys, because they're all quality stuff. I used them all this week. So this next bearing job was one of the hardest ones I've done. It was a pain in the ass just to get one bearing on, one. Now, this air handler was about 12 feet in the air. Um, I had to work inside of a fork truck cage. So I had to work around the fork truck, fork truck guy's uh, schedule, like his lunch breaks and breaks and when he went home and all that because I couldn't be up there while he's on a break because he couldn't bring me down. I couldn't be up there while he was gone, obviously. And anytime I needed to go back to the truck, I had to call him, let me down, send me back up. So it was a pain in the ass and I could barely squeeze into the opening of this air handler, like one shoulder in, then the other shoulder. And then it was tight in there. There was a cage around the belt. 
got rid of that, sprayed everything down with penetrating oil, and waited while I set things up. And the set screws were seized on this bearing. Now, I couldn't see any Loctite. Usually you can see if Loctite was used because you can see it on the top portion of the threads or whatever. I couldn't see any, but that doesn't mean there wasn't some down below. Now, this particular job, I couldn't light a torch because I never had any smokes bypassed. It was for a clean room of a, a pharmaceutical site. Nothing was organized for a torch, right? I didn't think I would need one. It's very, 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 very uncommon that I need a torch to take a bearing, one bearing off, off of a shaft. So, seized set screws. I broke an Allen key or a, a Wera L key as they call it, which I was upset about. I broke one of those and I could not get this thing off. So what I did was, is I got my Dremel and I started to cut around the set screw, like both sides of it and try to get to the back of it. But the cutting wheel I had was dull. It wasn't working that well. So I left and I went to Home Depot. I grabbed some Dremel cutting wheels for metal, specifically for metal. And once I got those, it was, it was game on. They went through that bearing like butter, cut on each side of the set screw and then kind of back in behind it or, or through it. Some, it was hard to get back in behind it. So some of that cutting wheel went through it. And what that did was kind of take integrity off the bearing that was holding it down to the shaft. So then I was able to take my puller and pull it off because that set screw had no strength because that metal was weakened. The integrity was gone because we had cut into it and it wasn't clamping down to the shaft anymore. So this was like, man, this was like a day and a half because I had to go back the next day because the fork truck drivers were leaving at around 3.30. So I had to clean up, get down, go back the next day and put it all back together and get it running. So day and a half just for that one bearing. Now I wanted to change both but the room had to get back up and running. So the bearing that had play in it was the only one that was changed for now. We'll probably have to get back in there at some point and change the other one. But the one that was giving me grief um, or, or had the play that could have caused his grief down, down the line, that one was changed. That one was greased up. That one was, the, the belts were all aligned, tension properly, and we were off to the races. But that was a really difficult one to solve. But it got done. So let's talk bearing, pulley, change on a smaller commercial rooftop. Now, as I regurgitate, checking the blower section is super important because it will indicate problems that could arise later on. If the blower section is out, the whole machine is out. Just keep that in mind. All right, pulleys, yeah, put them in your back pocket, change at a later date, unless you need the work right there and then or it's ripping belts apart, but it's something that you find, hey, I'm slow, I'll run over to that building and change that pulley. Bearings. Now, what I like to do is I like to grab the hold, uh, grab a hold of the, the motor, or the blower pulley, sorry, move it side to side. If I get any play at all, I like to note it and change it when I have the opportunity. Because I find bearings, they fail quite dramatically. When they fail, like you'll go up to a unit, uh, ball bearings will be all over the place. The shaft will have dropped down um, in some instances. The spider bracket gets destroyed. And the blower wheel also blows up and gets destroyed because it's not hanging out where it should be inside the bearings. And I'm getting notifications as I speak as well, like normal. Um, so 
super important. And let me give you a bit of a tip here when it comes to a style of bearing. Like, you'll see spider brackets, and you'll see the circle in the middle, and you'll see a bearing that has a rubber sleeve around it, then an insert in that rubber sleeve. Now, if I move that shaft side to side, up and down, whatever, and that bearing is moving inside that rubber sleeve, I still change it because any side to side play, up and down play, eventually will lead to a failure. I get it changed. Now, when you wanna change a bearing like that, okay, here's the thing. The spider bracket, if it's bolted to the blower housing, you're in luck because now you can get a puller behind that whole assembly and pull it all out together. If the spider bracket is mounted to the housing in such a way where you cannot remove it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So what I, I've done in that situation is I've taken the, the rubber, I grab my uh, like my linesman pliers, or I grab my, my needle nose and I try to pull that rubber off. And then once you do, you have a little bit more play side to side on the shaft back and forth. So you can maybe push it towards... Uh, one side so you can get past that opening in the spider bracket to get a, a puller on there to pull it off. If not, a potentially good-looking tool for this is, by Subco, is uh, I believe it's a technician-invented tool as well, is the bearing buster. Um, basically, it's like a, a handle, a round piece in the middle. You slide it onto the shaft in behind the spider bracket and you bang that bearing towards you. Make sure the shaft is clean when you do that. If the shaft is not clean, you're going to have issues. And make sure that you've put that penetrating oil all inside because that's the first thing I do when I go to do a change of a bearing, pulley, whatever, on a small rooftop or any any sort of machine is get that penetrating oil out, spray everything down, allow it to soak in, allow it to do its job, and everything will come off easier, hopefully, in the long run. So make sure you clean that shaft up before you pull it or before you use that bearing buster and you push it towards you by banging it. Now, when it comes to the pulley on the blower side, obviously you're going to have to take the pulley off before you take the bearing off the one side. What I suggest you do, if you can, is just bring a new pulley with you. Because once you put it all back together, you got these nice new bearings on there. Why not put a new pulley on there as well, unless the other one's in really great shape? And you have this nice new blower assembly ready to rock. Okay. Now, if we come over to the motor side where that pulley sits, could be single groove, could be double groove, could be triple groove, right? But I see single groove and double groove the most. If it's if it's a single groove, um, undo the set screw, a little bit of penetrating oil in there, and use your puller to pull it off. <coughs> Excuse me, guys allergies, nose is stuffed. So use your puller to pull it off. If it's a double groove pulley, like a variable pitch, you're going to have to probably spin one of those halves off to get to the set screw that's buried in behind one of those halves. And what I suggest you do is you're going to have to undo the set screws that hold the key in that, that slides through that keyway that hold those halves in place. Now, here's a tip. Once the set screws are undone, and once you've got that penetrating oil in there, use your side cutters. Put the back end of the side cutter against the pulley, right? So the side cutter is, is upwards, 
basically perpendicular to the shaft. And then what you're going to do is open those side cutters up, grab hold of that key, and use the pulley as leverage and push away from the pulley. And that, that key should slide out. And most times it does. Sometimes it's tight. But most times I find that that key slides right out. So once you get that key out, you can spin that half off, get to the set screw, undo it. Now, the side that you're going to use the puller on, if you need to use a puller, what you should do is take that, that half of that pulley that's got the thread on it, unthread it, turn it around, and thread it back in. Now, when you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to have a flat side to put your puller on. You're going to grab the back of the flat side and pull it off. If you don't do it that way, you're going to have an angled piece. And if the pulley is tight, what can happen is your puller can slip off that angled piece. So that is what I like to do in order to pull it off a lot easier. Now, when you put all this stuff back together, you can use the Loctite if you want. I find on smaller applications, smaller rooftops, you don't really need the Loctite. I find if I just tighten the set screw, loosen it, tighten it, loosen it, tighten, and create that seat or that groove in the shaft where the set screw can sit in, it, I'm usually fine in that case. So putting it back together, it's up to you if you want to use the Loctite. I usually eyeball, and I'll take your, your recommendations here. I usually eyeball the alignment of the belts. I know some people use lasers. I know some people use um, straight edges. I know some people have used like shoelaces or strings in the past. I find that I can pretty I can eyeball it pretty good. Okay, but when you get it lined up, you're gonna have to tension that belt. Okay, and you tension the belt with the motor bracket. You don't tension the belt with the variable pitch of the pulley. That's not what it's for, and I'll get to that in a minute. So when you when you tension that belt, there's a tensioning tool that you could purchase. It's very, very inexpensive, comes with instructions on how to use it. It tells you what the tension should be for an A belt, a B belt, AX, BX new use and it gives you a deflection sort of range that it should be in now i understand during a maintenance you're not going to have a ton of time to use that when you're changing belts but on an overhaul of a, a blower section it's a good idea because once you know what it's supposed to be tensioned at and know what it feels like the next time you might not need it because you're like yeah i know it's supposed to feel like that it just gives you a good indication okay so use it if you have it if you don't very inexpensive tool um, if you have one and you've lost the instructions, they're online. Also the HVAC know it all app in the reference section. There's also a chart in there as well. So as I said, we were going to get back to talking about adjusting the belt tension and how adjusting the pulley halves of a variable pitch pulley is not the way to do it. What those halves are for is to make the pulley bigger and to make the pulley smaller right so when you adjust that pulley bigger what you're doing is you're creating um let's say let's say the the let's say the blower pulley is five inches okay and let's say you turn the pulley half to make the motor pulley now five inches now it's one to one ratio Okay, so whatever the motor RPMs are, that's going to be the blower RPMs. So you've basically made that pulley bigger if, if you started midway point, let's say. 
So you're going to have higher amperage, you're going to have more airflow because whatever the motor RPM is, that's what the blower RPM is. So now if you make that pulley smaller, let's say you go to two and a half inches, okay, the pulley's smaller. So now that motor has to rotate two times for the blower to rotate once. So now you're actually moving that air, you're, you're moving the blower slower, for lack of a better term because now you made that pulley smaller. You make the pulley smaller, you're gonna have less airflow, less amperage. That's just the way it goes. And that, that is what that, that adjustable um, or variable pitch pulley is for. It's not to adjust the belt tension, it's adjust, to adjust the, the speed of the blower. Okay, a lot, of, a lot of techs don't know that. So keep these things in mind, guys. Um, penetrating oil, the use of Loctite if you need to, pullers, the bearing buster, if you need it. Um, if you can unbolt those spider brackets, keep in mind that that those 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 rubber couplings or sorry, not couplings, rubber sleeves that the bearing inserts go into. If there's play on that rubber, let's just change it because eventually it's going to get more wear and tear. It's going to get more play. It's going to move side to side, which is not supposed to do or up and down, and it's going to cause play and it's going to cause issues. So keep all this stuff in mind, guys. All right. And the other thing, the other thing to keep in mind is just the tensioning. The tensioning needs to be right. If the tensioning is wrong, it's going to be too tight, could bust the belt, could damage a bearing. If it's too loose, it's going to squeak. It's going to it's going to not move the amount of air that it should, so the tensioning is correct, and there's a tool for that, okay? And make sure that you're not adjusting belt tension with the coupling halves, moving them back and forth. Use the motor bracket for that. Anyway, guys, that's pretty much it. We've covered quite a bit of stuff just going through my jobs, and I hope this stuff helps. I hope you've learned something. If you haven't, if you haven't learned anything and you could teach me something, get a hold of me. Let me know if I've missed something. I'm all for accepting professional uh, debate. As long as it's professional and it's kept that way and, and it's cool and it's back and forth. But anybody that, that's trying to slam out there, um, I'm not for that. And that's why we moved to the HVAC know-it-all app so we could get more professional discussion going. So hit me up, guys, with your ideas and the way you've done it in the past. Anyway, guys, that's it. Thank you to the Master Group once again. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.